Hi, I'm Scotty. Some of my favorite memories from college involve Baylor football. And many of these memories are highlighted by the banter that came along with the territory. Yeah, it's the banter amongst friends that makes sports fun. And that's exactly what I'm here to bring to you. Welcome to the Please Bear With Me podcast. It's Monday, September 25th, 2017, and OU still sucks. <laughs> Welcome into the Please Bear With Me podcast. I'm Scotty Swingler. Today we're going to ditch the more traditional format of the show that I've built up, and we're going to do a new segment with my good friend, Michael Bartlemy. The whole point of this podcast is to bring you sports banter, and so that's exactly what Bartlemy and I are going to do in this next segment. After that, you're going to hear an interview that I just conducted with Baylor hype video extraordinaire Ted Harrison. Ted is a great dude. He's a great follow on Twitter. Makes the best Baylor hype videos. So we'll do that for this week's show, and next week we'll get back to the traditional format. But I did want to remind you that if you want your opinion heard, or if you have a segment that you would like to hear on the Please Bear With Me podcast, be sure to email me at Scott Swingler, S-C-O-T-T-S-W-I-N-G-L-E-R, at gmail.com, or contact us on Twitter at Bear underscore podcast. Here we go. It's time for the segment that's sweeping the nation. Get ready for some piping hot bottles with Michael Bartlemy. All right, I'm here with my wonderful friend from college, crazy Baylor fanatic, fellow big time fan, Michael Bartlemy, and he's here with some hot Bartle takes. Let's get take number one, Mr. Bartlemy. Take number one, the wide receiving core still has talent. Yes, we graduated KD Cannon and Ish Zamora. This wide receiving core is still super athletic and very excellent. You've continually heard Matt Rule say, we need to win some of these 50-50 balls, and we're finally starting to see that, in particular from Denzel Mims, who I have been on the hype train for Denzel Mims since he was in high school. This dude is big, he is fast, and he is going to continue to get better. He is going to be a stud by the time he's gone. I think I'd agree with you, Michael, that Denzel Mims stepped up, certainly had a huge game. No one can deny that, but I still don't know if you can say it about the whole receiving core. Uh, Chris Platt going down with an injury certainly doesn't help. We don't know how long he'll be out. I still think Tony Nicholson has a lot of room to grow, and Pooh Strickland is excellent. But one, I don't think anybody's proven to be quite as good as like a Corey Coleman just yet. And I don't know if you've got the rest of the cast two through five like we have in the past. Yeah, I think that there's still there's still some depth problems, but I think that there's still clearly talent. And that's really what it's coming down to is that we're starting to see some of that talent produce. And also, I disagree a little bit with you on Tony Nicholson, particularly in the way that they're using him. 
they're less using him more as a traditional wide receiver, more like a Braxton Miller or what you would see Ted Ginn get used with Ohio State, where they're just getting him in space with the ball. Right. Because the guy is electric when he has the ball in his hand. And with that, I agree with you, which is why I like seeing him motion out of the backfield. I like him getting the ball in reverses. But on, on a traditional passing play where people are running routes, I still don't love him. Okay, my first hot take is this. Harrison Hand will be a starting NFL cornerback. Listen, Harrison Hand has been my surprise player of the year. I am continually impressed with the way he stays glued to his man in pass coverage. He's a really good tackler for a cornerback. He's not a Jason Verrett 5'8 guy. He's a solid six foot tall. He's got a lot of time to grow as a player. He's got a lot of moxie. He was a running back in high school. He had return touchdowns in high school, so I think he's a great all-around athlete. This guy, and I called Xavier Howard his freshman year as well. I said he would be an NFL corner. He had that kind of talent. I think Harrison Hand is a really good shot, Michael, to be a shutdown corner for us and a shutdown corner in the league. I agree wholeheartedly. Clearly a little room to grow, but the dude is physical. He's got great ball skills, and he's not afraid to come up and hit somebody, and I like that. Me too. What's your second take? So my second take is the offensive line is just improving by leaps and bounds. I think through three weeks you, you saw this offensive line get just beat up every single snap. Uh, Zach Smith took some serious hits against Duke. Not that he didn't take some again this week, but man, pass protection improved immensely. Immensely. Run game's still clearly a work in progress, and it'll get there. But I think that you're starting to see some of the, some of the offensive line techniques that they're trying to push in, these NFL-style offensive line techniques, are starting to kind of take hold. In particular, I'd like to give a shout-out to Xavier Newman, First start, dude played great at guard. Michael, I'm going to disagree with you, but I'm going to save that for my next take. So any any other props that you want to give to the offensive line, buddy? No, man, I just really think they improved a lot this week. I I just noticed that we Zach Smith seemed to be getting the ball out a lot cleaner this week. So here's my second hot take, Michael. This O-line is the worst Baylor has had since the pre-Bryles era. I hear you on the pass pro. The pass pro was the best we've seen yet, right? Zach Smith, but I'm going to give Zach Smith some credit. Zach Smith got rid of a lot of balls as pressure was bearing down on him. Zach Smith was put in a successful game plan where he made a lot of quick throws this week, which I thought really made the offense tick. But I'm going to give you some statistics. We averaged 1.7 yards of carries yesterday. If you take out sacks to Zach Smith, we still only averaged 2.9 yards per carry. John Lovett is a talented guy. We know Terrence Williams is a talented guy. There were just no holes, Michael. This offensive line is improving in pass pro. I don't see the improvement in the run game. They are really struggling, dude, and I don't think I've seen an offensive line for Baylor this bad since pre-Briles. Fair. Uh, I, think the, I think the run game, like I said, is rough. It's rough. And I do think that some of, I'm going to save some of this for my next take, but I, I agree with you. I just wanted to note that the offensive line has improved a lot, particularly from last week to this week. I'm looking for, I'm taking everything I can get with my moral victories right now. Well, I, I'm going to be a little critical, man. I, I thought Terrence Williams coming back would really energize the run game. And he made a couple of nice plays, but dude, there was just nowhere for him to go for the most part. Yep. What's your next take? This offense can click. I think that, and I said this a lot through the first three weeks, and you heard me say it. What's our identity? Who are we? What are we going to be? And you started to see this offense start to grow into something. 
that was more than just a, well, let's just throw it down the field and see what happens. I've been saying since week one, I was like, this offensive line is bad. we got to get the ball out quick. And you started to see us get some, get some balls out on some quick screens, some quick ends, some curls. And that's what I wanted to see out of it. You saw them still try to establish a run because this team does want to be a running team. But the passing game started to take some form of identity of what we were going to be. And that was really good to see. I agree with you completely, man. I think seeing us get some quick passes out into the flats, on the screens, a couple over the middle was really refreshing. I know Tim Watkins talked about that on the show last week about how there was just no shorter intermediate passing game against Duke. Definitely improved that part of the game, and it made an impact. And Oklahoma, I know I just ragged on the offensive line for the run blocking, but they were they were daring us to throw the ball. They were clearly aiming at our run game, especially after Zach Smith completed 35% of his passes last week. We responded well, and so I agree with you. I think we need to see more improvement from the line, and if we can establish that run game, this thing's going to work. Okay, here's my next take. T-Will, I've got two points about T-Will. <laughs> T-Will is not 100% healthy, and T-Will should be on the field during all plays where the running back is going out to catch a pass. For the first point, I know T-Will is not 100% healthy because he only had 11 carries. I think Matt Rule said earlier in the week he was going to get the majority of the carries, but he didn't. Only 11 carries. He only got 2.3 yards of carry. Again, not entirely his fault, but I just don't think he looks like he had the same pop as we've seen in the past. He did have one big run, um, I think third carry of the game actually, where he came in and popped a guy and put a guy on his butt and he left the game. So he showed some explosiveness, but clearly didn't get in on the first two drives. I don't know if he's 100% healthy. Secondly, we saw John Lovett drop a pass that was a walk-in touchdown. We saw Tristan Ebner drop a pass. Don't forget that that big gif of Terrence Williams running down the sideline and trucking a dude that was so popular after last year was on a reception. I think Terrence Williams is the power back, but I also think he needs to be the pass catching back. Two points. One, I agree with you. I don't think he's fully healthy yet. However, that being said, I think that a lot of those plays where you saw John Lovett getting the ball on those, on those running plays may have been RPO situations. And they specific and Matt Rule specifically said we don't want Terrence Williams out there pass blocking. It's not it's not worth putting him in that situation. And so those that could have been the reason why Lovett got more carries in those cases. And Rule said like we weren't running a lot of designed runs because we couldn't. That's the first thing. Second thing, I get what you're saying. I agree. We both practically cried when John Lovett dropped that ball because uh, all we were thinking was touchdowns. So I. I get what you're saying. Maybe a little bit strong on that, but fair point. I mean, it's the experience. He's been there and done it before. I know that running backs didn't catch the ball a lot in the Browse offense. I haven't looked at the stats, but he had maybe five or six catches all year last year if I would to go if I were to go back and look. But I know the guy can catch the ball. I trust my older experience back to make that catch, to make all the catches. I just would rather see him out there more often. My next take is this defense is legit. At the very least, the scheme. Yes, Oklahoma had 625 yards of offense. That's a lot, right? That's a lot. And I'm willing to own up to that. But listen to this. They scored a total of 14 points in the second and third quarter. It was very clear in the first quarter. We came, they came out and they punched us in the mouth. And we came out and it looked like we may have been a little timid. We came out in the second and third quarters and absolutely shut them down. 
And the only reason why OU came back in that ball game, and the only reason, in my opinion, is because we got tired. And I'm not sure that that's a case of strength and conditioning. I think that more has to do with we just don't have bodies out there to stop the run like we need to right now. And eventually your linebackers and your defensive tackles are going to get tired when they're just getting beat up physically by that big Oklahoma offensive line. Uh, but I do think this scheme is legit, and when we get some depth out there, this defense is going to shut some people down. I 100% agree with you. I couldn't agree with you more, particularly about I think the collapse at the end was depth, 100%. And I said it last week. I think this we proved last week against Duke I think the scheme is going to work, especially with the pressure we were able to put on the quarterbacks. And we kept putting pressure on. We put pressure yesterday on the best scrambling, get-out-of-trouble quarterback in college football I was also very Lamar impressed. Jackson. Uh, fair point. There you go. <laughs> One of the best. Right. So give me give me your next take. My next take. Despite what anybody else may believe, Taylor Young is still the most valuable player on this squad. A lot of people are going to get excited about what we've seen in the last couple weeks. Some people might argue Zach Smith because of the leadership he showed yesterday. Some people might argue for Platt or Mims because they both had big games on the outside. I think some people would argue that Clay Johnston has surpassed Taylor Young. But listen, you saw it yesterday, right? Taylor Young makes this team tick. And it comes from... The big hits that he made in the game, it comes from the leadership he provides vocally for that team, and it comes in him getting on Twitter last night and saying, this ain't over, we're going to finish, right? He's a vocal leader, he's the senior, you know, the one, one of the only seniors that's getting any sort of playing time on this squad, and I think, you know, there's a lot of guys to be excited about, but I think we saw against Oklahoma that Taylor Young is still the number one guy, the leader, the undisputed captain of this football team he 100 percent is the straw that stirs the drink man i love taylor young i've loved taylor young since the second he stepped foot on that field but uh i i agree wholeheartedly i think there's some players you could point to i think clay johnson is starting to step into step into some of that leadership role clearly zach smith clearly chris platt you know some of those guys who you talk about but taylor young is clearly the emotional leader of this team in the same way that at one point robert griffin was at one point Corey Coleman and Ahmad Dixon were, despite Ahmad Dixon's antics. But Taylor Young is is the guy, and I and it's I it's th- going to be sad to see him walk away. I think Baylor fans owe Taylor Young the biggest standing ovation, maybe in school history, uh, on Senior Day this year because, like Matt Rule said, he had every right and I'm sure opportunity to leave both the summer after Bryles got fired, and then you know this past off season as Rule got hired. I don't think a soul in the world would have blamed Taylor Young if he goes to try to play his senior year at a bigger, you know, more better name brand school. I mean, he proved himself, right, at Baylor before, but the the devotion, the dedication he's shown to this team is admirable, to say the least. My last take, Zach Smith is going to start every game until he leaves Baylor University. Period. That's a fact. Write it down. I know you're on the record saying Charlie Brewer's the guy. Charlie Brewer's the guy. We haven't really seen the guy play. Yeah, he's got some it factor. Yes, he was good in high school. We don't really know how much moxie he has. What we do know about Zach Smith is that Zach Smith's willing to stand in the pocket and deliver a heck of a football. We saw a kid grow up yesterday. Some of the hits that he's taken and delivered some great balls is incredible. He's got more arm talent than just about any other quarterback in the Big 12. That dude can sling it. 
and he made some NFL throws yesterday, and he's only going to get better, and he's the guy for at least the next year, for at least through next year, and if he leaves, he'll leave, but I doubt he will. He's going to be the guy until he leaves. I completely disagree with you, and it's not 100% because I'm, I am a huge fan of young Charlie Brewer. One, I don't think Zach, I don't trust Zach Smith to stay healthy really struggled last year, really only stayed on the field because we had no other option. And you're right, the dude is gutsy. The dude's a baller. The dude fights, and I do love that about him. Second thing is, I don't think we can say that after one good performance because as great as he played, and he played incredibly, that Duke game was atrocious. And and two of those three interceptions that he threw in that Duke game were just bad reads and bad throws. So, I am a huge fan of Zach Smith after yesterday. I really like what we saw. If he keeps playing like that week to week, you are probably correct. However, I do love Charlie Brewer. I like the dual threat capability he poses. But as far as pure talent, you're right. Zach Smith is incredibly talented and incredibly gifted. And definitely, for the first time last night, last night was the first time I thought he looked like the guy. So, I'm going to say two things. One, I think he played admirably last year throughout the rest of that season, particularly in the, in the bowl game, to just speak his piece. I don't think that the struggles last week against Duke were necessarily his fault and more of a play call. Those interceptions I, were absolutely Those interceptions his fault. were absolutely his fault and, his, and him trying to make a play, uh, which is a youth problem. I think that's a little bit due to inexperience. The other thing that I will say about Zach Smith is Zach Smith could have left, and he stayed. And you have to give a lot of credit to a guy for sticking around, especially when he could have gone other places. And furthermore, I think the fact that he did stay and fight through all of this, this team will play for Zach Smith in ways that they may not play for other people. I think that when you see a guy who stands in the pocket like that, and when you see a guy who stayed through this, he's earned a lot of respect. And I think it's hard to take away respect in a locker room. And that's, I think that's the best thing he has going for him, honestly. I would agree with you because, again, not to be a negative Nancy because he played amazing. There's a reason he lost the starting quarterback job going into the season. We saw some of those against Duke. I hope to God the dude grew up before our eyes, like you've said, and this is the Zach Smith we're going to get most weeks. And if that's the case, I will be thrilled. I just don't know if you can make that statement after one great game. And like I said, there's no guarantee he stays healthy um, as badly as I want him to after the Seth Russell, Jarrett Stidham debacle two years ago and just kind of the last two years I'm and, you know, Robert Griffin. It's hard. It's hard for me to trust that guys are going to stay healthy. Fair. <laughs> All right, buddy. Thanks for coming on. Ted Harrison joins the Please Bear With Me podcast. Ted First and foremost, your overarching thoughts on this football season thus far. Well, that's that's quite the task. Uh, <laughs> um, I actually the overarching point to be made at this at this juncture is simply that we can see steady progress. And Absolutely, it's kind of obvious, but you actually can see week to week the with maybe the exception of the UTSA game, which was interesting to say the least. There's definitely a trajectory that's like very visible at this point and um, definitely inspires a lot of hope moving forward when you normally wouldn't have that starting 0-4 and, 
and losing to Liberty. Right. So yeah, that's that's where I'm at at this point. And I know that that's kind of generic, but I really am. I think I it kind of locked in this last week in, in particular um, has locked in the Baylor fan base again. I mean, right. I mean, you go from from losing to an FCS school to legitimately hanging with and having several opportunities to beat a top five team. I think that's totally <laughs> obvious, right? And how how do you feel about Saturday's game? Pros and cons, good and bad. What do you see? Yeah, I'm gonna. St- I'll start with a couple of negatives, um, mainly because I think it's been easy to, for me in particular, who tries to be more optimistic than pessimistic, though that doesn't always come across. Um, <laughs> I uh, I would say that the t- the two things that I want to kind of focus on, I'm really confused by Matt Rule's use of timeouts. Yeah, um, yeah, and I know that that's not been talked about too much, but I'd be curious to notice or to ask if you've noticed the same thing. No, I have, and and I actually thought about two in particular last week, where or Saturday, I'm sorry, where it literally just looked like we weren't lined up correctly in the first half. Yeah, and then it just seemed I, I just it puts us in situations at the end of each half whenever we're burning them I mean I, I get that we're still learning a new system and that thing but it just seems a little no, but, bit too but lining up lining up the field goal team should not take a timeout when you're in the fourth game of the season right <laughs> exactly right that's that's ex- <laughs> that's basically all that that needs to be said on that so that that's a big <laughs> negative in my opinion and not something that's been talked about too much so I'm interested to see when we do get into close games and especially I'm kind of sad we didn't get to see the full drive play out at the end of that game yeah to see how the the um the clock management would have worked out right that's one thing that I've yet to really see rule do uh, and that coaching staff and 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 especially given the how new everything is for everybody I'm kind of a little bit hesitant to say that we could close out a a very close game, right? given what we've seen so far. So that, and then I think the other thing is just simply the fact that we lost um, Mo Porter and Chris Platt to injury, even if it's just for a week. Um, obviously don't know the full timetable, but it just, that kind of stuff just kills us whenever those are two big time guys for, our, for our, that, fo- that football team. No doubt. Here's a question for you. Do you think Terrence Williams is 100% healthy? Definitely didn't look like the Terrence Williams I've watched play football before. And we all obviously saw him go for a thousand yards last year. So watching him get, I think eleven carries, and I'm not even sure. I think it was I eleven. How, eleven for twenty six. I think was the final stat line. Yeah, I think if you would have told me he had eleven for eleven, I would have thought that that was too high in terms of the yardage. It just didn't seem like he was going anywhere. So I, I, I don't think he's fully healthy. I think that, or at least he's not ready for like he's not in what they say they call game shape. I'm yeah, not sure what yeah, that yeah. really means. Um, but that that's kind of where I I sit with it at the moment. Uh, did he look healthy to you? No, and and that's I actually told somebody yesterday that he didn't look healthy, and I think that's part of why he only had 11 carries. I think a lot of that has to do with that offensive line, though. Yeah, no, definitely all does fall back on the offensive line. I think that's the biggest issue on the team at the moment. I agree with you. Um, and uh, it's not but too big of a surprise. I think we knew that back in March of this year. Right. Uh, so it's it's not too big of a, a shock. But it also is frustrating to um, to watch us run up the middle. I think at one point I jokingly said um, on Twitter um, that I – thought that the only reason we were running up the middle uh, was just so the angels could get their wings because I just had to have some kind of positive reason for why we kept doing it. Um, we did seem to have some success and not like major, you know, game breaking plays, um, no 99 yard runs on our end. Um, but when we went off the edge and so I, I'd right. like to see more of that happen. Well, 
we averaged – I'm trying to remember off the top of my head because I wrote it down yesterday. I think it was definitely less than two yards a carry for the game. And if you take out sacks, it was still less than three yards a carry. So it wasn't great. Yeah, that's not good. Yep. Um, hey, so, Ted, what years did you go to Baylor? So I started at Baylor in uh, 2008, the fall of 2008. And then I'm technically a, so a part of the 2012 class, but I graduated uh, December 2011. Okay, very cool. So you 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 got there when the ascent was first beginning. Yes, I, I you know I walked on a campus the same um, the same fall that Robert Griffin right. did. So, uh, which is Art Bryles as well. <laughs> right. Well, one I think you can still say proudly. The other I'm not so sure. So, you you work for Twitter and you've got this reputation with Baylor people for being awesome for hype videos and awesome or not so awesome depending on how you look at it for little twitter quips how how did you become that voice uh, on twitter that everybody at baylor knows and follows and likes or doesn't like how how did you get into that role of the collect like i don't know how to describe it every every single baylor fan i meet knows who you are yeah no and (laughs) it is a a strange a strange thing i i think it just happens to be the timing um, I, it goes back to me just being um, like having a web presence even when I was in school, um, and I've always been a big sports fan. In fact, I grew up actually an Arkansas fan because my dad grew up in Little Rock, and so he kind of instilled that in me. And even when I was like in high school, I was um, making little videos and short things for the Razorbacks on, on message boards. So I just kind of carried that over to Baylor, and while I was a student, I was doing some stuff, mainly um, – some parody type stuff while while I was in school, and then I, right as I got out, I did a couple of hype videos um, in association with Our Daily Bears. Right um, when I was still uh, kind of helping out with Mark and Peter and David and Matt and all those guys and Kendall now, but the uh, uh, essentially I think I I had that first hype. They're not the first one, but the first one that went big was the Hey Baylor, let's do this hype mm, video. Yeah, and I, I kind of started picking up followers, and I've always been, I'm just vocal online um i guess probably too vocal as you mentioned because i feel like a very divisive character at times <laughs> sometimes when i pull back i'm like this looks like a characterized version of myself when i read some of the, my my timeline but um I, I think it just picked up from there and it is it is really strange um i've jokingly said i'm the lowest form of celebrity out there because when i go back Twitter for celebrity? A, a football game yes i well i go back for a game in waco and i, I people know who i am and that is a very surreal feeling. Yeah. Well, no, and I remember, like, uh, was it last year they put you on the video board and everyone cheered? Yeah, no, yeah, like, that was two two years ago. Okay, I remember yeah. that. Yeah, I, and I, I, I must have had 80 to 100 tweets immediately following talking about how I was on the video board. And, <laughs> and it, that that was when I knew, like, th- this was, like, this was bigger than I had realized because I'm in New York, and so I don't, I don't interact with the fans in person as often as I'd like to. Um, and I think that's not to defend myself too much, but I think that's part of the issue in the disconnect on some of the stuff that people get upset about or, or me quipping. I, I kind of I, I typically approach Twitter for I'm going to share my thoughts. And then I also get inundated with everyone's like thoughts that are totally different than what I had to say. Sure. So then every every now and then it's easy to uh, you see so many people like being mad at you for get sharing an opinion or you uh, claiming that you tell them how to think and that's not all, all what I'm doing when I'm just giving my own opinion out there and not replying to someone. But then 
you get enough of those responses, then it, it, it'll boil over fast. And I, there's definitely more than a handful of tweets I probably be, would like to walk back. <laughs> I think we can all say that. I, 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 I've gone back and deleted before, so which I know is not the, the best move in a lot of people's eyes, but I've done it. I mean, you know. No, I, I think you mentioned last week on the podcast that you went back and deleted a few. I think as long as you're kind of upfront and open about okay, I, I was wrong about this. And I even had the snafu last week where I didn't know that my team had been a big deal because I was on an anniversary weekend with my wife. Right. And had kind of been checked out of Twitter and, and missed the whole the whole boat. Yeah, that and I saw that and thought, well, and people overreact so much online to stupid things. Because that shouldn't, I, I, you know, you literally just said, I didn't realize this hashtag was a thing. And you had people flipping out on you. Yeah, it, it happens. It, it, I have people that I really like, Amy Paget, that that flipped out on me. But then we solved it over text because we're friends. Right. <laughs> but see, I think, and that kind of goes back to the point, is it's hard to connect sometimes with people. And I can see why people get mad at me. Or I, I often get the comments, Ted, you're really, yeah, I really love your hype videos, but your opinions suck. <laughs> and that's fine. Um, I just hope that if I ever met you in person that we would be friends because I bet we would. <laughs> well, it's like not to get way down a rabbit hole that doesn't that people won't care about. But like we talk about communication over text isn't as productive as communication over the phone because you can't hear somebody speak. You can't um, read, you know, cues based on their their tone of voice or whatever. I feel like Twitter is like the next step down from text. Oh, absolutely. That's such a good point. You shouldn't communicate important messages over text. You should call somebody or meet someone for coffee. Well, Twitter's like the next step below text messaging. Like, do not take Twitter seriously, y'all. It's, <laughs> it is not that serious. Take it from someone who's taken it way too seriously before. Yeah. Don't take it seriously. I even work for Twitter and don't take it too seriously. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So you kind of briefly touched on it, but I, I kind of want the full story you are like you said you're kind of known for being the hype video guy how did you get into that you know you said arkansas in high school did you literally just wake up one morning and say i'm gonna throw some highlights together with some music i mean how did you get into hype video because you were one of the first ones i saw doing it before it got super trendy like a year later yeah no i um I honestly, I, can, I cannot remember that. I obviously stole the the concept of a hype video. I'm not the originator of the hype video. Um, but I remember seeing an early one from some other school or like a, even maybe a professional team. Okay. And so this, I, I, I remember the off season before 2013. And this this is kind of the first time I really put together a true hype video. I just kind of had the, I, the feeling looking at the roster and looking at the rest of the Big 12 that that was going to go really well that year. And obviously it did. We won the, the Big 12. And if it wasn't for a slip and stumble by Bryce Petty, we might have been playing for a national championship. But that's neither here nor there. I just saw the opportunity. I was like, oh, you know what? This is going to be an exciting year. We were building a new stadium and all that. So I put together like a couple of smaller things that did well um, before Hey Bather, Let's Do This. Uh, one earlier on in the spring and then one over the summer right before the season started and they did well I, I don't know how many views uh but they did did all right and and then I, when we got to the point I, where our fan base was just clicking on all cylinders probably the most united the fan base has ever been was for sure that week leading into that OU game um the blackout game for sure and I and I think one of the things that that's kind of overlooked in this is I, the weekend before the OU game, which was a Thursday night game, was um, was a bye week for Baylor. 
So I was able to get that, that hype video out on like the month, like almost two weeks ahead of time. So it was like this kind of slow build at first. And then Grantland picked it up and ESPN was on it and Fox News and some other outlets. And I was like, okay, this is like a thing. And then I, I obviously was getting more subscribers on YouTube at the time because I was posting in there and not on 365 where I post uh, the content now. And I, it just kind of ballooned into suddenly when I put out, a, and I, I, don't, I mean this sincerely, it's, it's bigger than me for sure at this point. And I, I don't, I feel kind of like a weighty responsibility whenever I put out a hype video because it is something that even the people who literally claim, I like your hype videos, but I don't like your thoughts all the time. Um, but everyone gets behind those things and gets behind uh, uh, the team and the, the atmosphere and the zeitgeist of, of that moment or that game week. And it's something that's really unique and fun. And I know there's other people who put out great hype, great hype videos for Baylor too. Now it's like a, such a big thing. And obviously now I would say, if you look across the the nation, uh, if, if, if you get the chance, I know that it's Ohio state, you don't really want to watch Ohio state video clips, but Ohio state and, and to some extent the university or Colorado, um, which is kind of random, but they're both re- doing really excellent work in this, this area. It's just, it's fun to see those things, but uh, I don't know why I got off onto that, but it, 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 I do kind of recognize that whenever I put one out and I tend to hype it up ahead of time and tease it so that there kind of is this buildup, it is bigger than me and, and it's definitely, I don't really consider it. It sounds so kind of silly because it's not like I'm putting out a movie or something, but it does feel like it's outside of myself. Um, and it is really something I, I love. It's like one amazing way for me to be able to give back to Baylor. Now, when you when you talk about a school like Ohio State or Colorado doing good hype videos, are these, you know, alumni and fans kind of like you doing it independently? Or do these schools actually have people they hire to make hype videos? I'm, I'm talking in particular about their actual production houses. There's a, a couple of SEC schools that have some good fans that do good work. Surprisingly, I've not seen great work for Alabama, but granted, if you're Alabama, you don't really you don't need do a hype video. Hyped. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you just beat Vanderbilt like a drum and it call it good. <laughs> yeah. You put out a hype video that just says we are Alabama and everyone's yeah. like, oh, okay. That being said, that's what I suspected you'd say about Ohio State and such. Has Baylor ever reached out to you and offered you a gig? I'm being silent for a reason. <laughs> Fair enough. Very cool. When you sit down to put together a video, do you start with a like a slogan, like a let's do this? Do you start with the music you want to use? Because I know a lot of people like yours because of the way you put together the music a lot of times. Or do you start with like one clip, like, oh, this is going to be the climax of the video? Like, How, how do you start? Um, I, I think... Well, I don't think I know that the, the way I, I start with it always is I'm always on the lookout for good music. And it is true that the running joke is that the music sucks. That goes back t- to a specific hype video, which I can understand. It was very abrasive uh, music, but it, I was trying to make a point about Baylor's offense being abrasive. Right. Um, and, and I think actually one time, I think Peter Pope pointed this out specifically that one of the things that he's liked about um, the music and the things that I've done is that I do actually take great care in, in the thematic elements. And in, I, I don't ever start with the, the actual highlights. Sure. I completely start with the theme and the music. Now the theme can sometimes be like, if I know I'm making one and there's not been anything other than like, it's 
conference play is starting, which I've done in the past, I, I, I definitely start with trying to find the music, and then I will kind of dig through press conference stuff to find a good quote or quip, or I'll try to invent something. It, it, it's that's that's about it, really. It, it is a very it's I've kind of figured out a formula for it to a certain extent on how to how to build and and build out the video and make it feel like it's longer than, you know, two or three minutes, which is actually interesting. I, I think I, I'm looking back, I've looked back at all the videos um, that I've done because you'd mentioned that we, we were, you wanted to talk about this and we're, I'm well over at this point. I mean, I obviously had like a little show last year too on sick and 365, but even so if, even excluding those, cause those would run up to 15 minutes long. You know, we, I've done like over a feature length film worth of, video content for Baylor and it's uh, they're all in these like short three to four minute spurts right does that does that feel like an accomplishment do you look at that and go wow this is awesome or how how do do you react to that honestly I just and I'm again I mean this sincerely and this is kind of cheesy I just think it means people love Baylor yeah and it's one thing that we've had a difficult time understanding the last couple of years and that's under that's understandable why it's been difficult but I just look at it and I mean yeah it is like affirming in, in what I do and it definitely didn't hurt in helping me get the jobs that I've gotten I definitely showcase some of that work sure um as I you know uh, apply for jobs but I, it's, it's also funny too because I'm not even using footage that I shoot so I'm having to kind of piece it I don't get any control over it right um, but uh I, I just think it's more like a testament to, I mean, we're, it's over, well over a million and a half views now on these, the, the videos that I've done. And for Baylor, the fan base isn't exactly huge. I don't know how big the living uh, alumni base is. I think it's like a hundred and something thousand. Say, do you happen it, to know that it, off it, the top of your head? I do not, but it doesn't touch a state school. Correct. Yeah. We're, we're, we're really not that big. So knowing that, that the views have been out there and that people really enjoy it and that even like other fan bases will comment and, and talk about how they really enjoy like these, the specific subset of the niche that I've like carved out. It, it's really, it's really cool. I, I definitely am, am grateful for that. And though I can be pretty arrogant at times on Twitter, whenever I'm just going off because it's fun, uh, <laughs> which is half of it, by the way, it is just, fun again, to do. don't take Twitter seriously, people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it, it really is. It's it's fun to, and it, it's it's great when I do get to go back to to see a game uh, and shake people's hands and meet meet the people who are like, hey, this is really helpful. I've I've gotten some really nice emails from people saying that they their family had moved all across the country, but everyone went to Baylor, and that one of the ways that they were able to connect was they started like being the, trying to be the first person to share whatever hype video I produced, and that they were able to talk about it and talk about what they liked and didn't like and. Uh, that kind of stuff is is really incredible, and yeah, it, it is fun. And, and there, it's it's cool too to see so many you know even like the, some of the students now at Baylor making hype videos. You got like Elizabeth Sherman, who's no, no longer a student. I think she's graduated, but you know other other people across the board. It's it's just fun. What I'm hearing you say is, on one hand, on Twitter sometimes you feel like the divisive guy, but in a lot of ways your videos are in some cases what brings a lot of Baylor fans together across the country. Yeah, no, that's actually a very that you've really put the cap on on it there. You, you made that was much more eloquent than I could have put it. <laughs> I don't know about that. Were you uh, totally out of my own curiosity? Were you an FDM guy at Baylor? 
Yes, I was. Um, yeah, I graduated, graduated with the FDM degree. I, I was still still a Bachelor of Arts at the time. No, no, now it's a Bachelor of Fine Arts, which is interesting. Really? Yeah. Okay, because I graduated two years ago, two and a half years ago now, and got the BA, and it, but I got the comm specialist degree, so I was half and half. But Right. There's a lot of, everyone I meet up here in New York seems to have done, done the, the comm specialist route. Um, which is understandable. You're, you're kind of diversifying your... Yeah, and that, that's kind of how I felt, is if, like, if you don't know you're going to New York or Hollywood, or I guess Atlanta at this point as well, I really liked getting the other stuff. But anyway, that was totally for my benefit, not the podcast, so... <laughs> no, yeah, sh- no, shout out to the, the FDM department, and um, particularly Chris Hansen, who's very... Um, Great dude. Yeah, he is, and he 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 was going at, going back and forth with me on Twitter the other day, as he does every now and then, and so I just wanted to give a shout out to him. That, it's been a, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, I was just gonna say it's been it's fun to still be in contact with professors. Well, yeah, and, and Chris in particular has been really influential in my life as well, so that's cool that you mentioned him. Okay, so you're a big basketball guy too, right? Yes, absolutely. By the way, the Thunder just got mellow this weekend, so I saw that nuts. Yeah. Do you like basketball more than football? So I, I rank the sports in this order in terms of in terms of watching. I like to watch college football, college basketball, the NBA, and then like somewhere further down the line is the NFL. Okay. Um, I do like the NFL just because it's football, but yeah, no, I'm definitely I, at this point college football has kind of taken over my fandom, and it's in large part due to the video stuff. But uh, basketball is my first love. Absolutely, and uh, it's definitely what I love to play when I get the opportunity. I was going to ask if you played, yeah. Okay, so here's something I mentioned on Twitter maybe four or five days ago, and I didn't get a lot of response. If you had to pick a starting five and a sixth man from the Drew era, I think that's really tough to do. Can you do it off the top of your head? Okay, I'm assuming this needs to, like, if I'm picking the best... It's going to be a six-man rotation, essentially, and I'm trying to piece together the, the components that would work. Yes, yes. Not just the okay. five best players, like like if you yeah, had to put some guys on the court. Okay, well, first like first and foremost, Epe Udo is out there. Um, yes, he's on mine, there's, too. There's no question about that. Uh, this, is, this is a difficult ordeal. I'd probably put Epe Udo, and this is, again, everyone at their peak. So Udo and I go... Quincy AC, man, this is uh, uh, Pierre Jackson. Yep. I'm having I'm having a hard time figuring out how like Pierre Jackson and Lace Darius would really do together on a team. Right. That's, like, so let let me give you mine and and see if it helps yeah. helps you round out yours or or if you react. So no, I love this my, question and I I want to hear everyone else's thoughts too. Well, basketball is so fun to basketball to me is better than any other sport about all time. Like. Who's your starting five, you know, MJ or LeBron? Like, I love those kind of conversations. So my starting five, you you said three of my five already. So okay. I would actually put out, and this is where I'm probably the most controversial, I would run out Curtis Gerald's at the one. Okay. I'd put Pierre Jackson out there at the other guard with Torian Prince, Quincy Acey, and Epe Udo. And then I'd have Lace Dunn as my sixth man. Uh, that's a, not a bad idea if you're running the guard, if you're keeping the guards at bay in that way. I think I, I probably wouldn't, Curtis Gerald's has this definitely like a very soft spot in my heart because, um, before I was getting, going to Baylor, I remember watching him and being excited to go watch him play whenever I, I got to go, got to go to school there. And 
and I really do love his game and what he did for the program and what that 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 era did for the program. Right. I mean, he was the he was the first great of a long list of greats. Yes. Um, yeah. I, I, so I probably still would go. I'd probably go Pierre Jackson, and then I would put. Um, you know, this is a re- this is going to be really weird, and and I'm probably going to get crucified for this, but I I kind of like the idea of freshman year. I'm only playing defense. AJ Walton. Um, wow. And then, as a okay, just 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 as in terms of lining up the team here. So if you have Pierre Jackson, Quincy AC, and Epe Udo, and then I would probably I'd put Torian Prince in there at his peak as well. I right, think I agree with that. And then I would have Lace Darius coming in um, as a sixth man. We have all the same except you'd put AJ Walton up there instead of a Curtis Gerald's or Tweedy J- Carter. I just and maybe this is just me remembering it more fondly than it should have been. But his freshman year, whenever he was playing on, the, I think that was the elite, one of the the first Elite Eight team. I think you're right. He was he was getting so many like like the limited number of minutes. I, I think you'd still probably play Lace more, and obviously you'd have more than just six guys playing. It's you know, so it's it's hard to. But I I, I just think that if you wanted to put as a freshman, he just only only wanted to play defense, and that worked. So right. that's, that's, that may be what I go with. But it's probably not right. I just I think that that particular performance that year is often overlooked. Yeah, I mean, I haven't thought about it. And I think – so would you agree with me then? Let's, let's make some – let's be divisive for just a second. That, that, okay. That anybody who says – and no offense to these guys because they were good for Baylor, but anybody that puts Perry Jones or Isaiah Austin in their top five of the Drew era is incorrect. Could, yeah, they're absolutely incorrect. Right. Okay, so y- you and I both agree that Epe Udo is an unstoppable force of nature. Yeah, he that that was unreal. I mean, he he came out of nowhere too. That is a testament to what Drew does with the the big men for sure. Oh, and it's unbelievable. Scott Drew doesn't develop players, and I'm like, Corey Jefferson was a nobody. Quincy Acey's six foot seven, and he's still playing in the NBA. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. No, you, you could argue basically that what Scott Drew hasn't done well is figure out how to motivate top end talent. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's that. And that is really the only true criticism that I think you can have for him at this point, other than if you really are into timeouts, speaking of timeouts earlier with rule, hopefully both <laughs> of our coaches aren't. But I, I, I also know that some of those like those timeouts have saved us in moments, even though they're super early. So uh, like I, I don't know other than being the timeout issue or not being great at motivating top end talent. Scott Drew is an amazing coach and everyone knows where I stand with that. <laughs> That's one of my more vocal opinions. No, for sure. I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm totally with you. Okay, so the, the only other topic I really wanted to cover, and you and I have a unique perspective as vocal alumni, and I don't want to be rude, but there's things about Baylor fans that drive me crazy. And I want to see if, if without me telling you what those are, if you can maybe pick up on a couple of those. If you had to give a message to Baylor fans about how to be a good supporter of your team, where would you start? Oh, where would I start? Um, so I would start by watching all of my videos. Um, and, uh, <laughs> no. Give me the full. Uh, give me the full message. What? What would if you could just stand in front of Baylor fans and be like, "Listen, this is how you support this team." What would you say? Uh, well, this team in particular, I, 
Uh, and I mean, really any team. I, I'd say, um, and I'm guilty of it from time to time, I made fun of Anu Solomon's throwing motion earlier this year publicly. And it was funny, but it probably wasn't the most kosher tweet. Uh, and I, so I guess this is my like kind of apology, but I, I'm getting to a bigger point. I think what I would stand up in front of everyone and say is stop it. <laughs> uh, it, it is everyone and, and I'm I'm guilty of it too I'm, I'm I'm not excluding myself it's it is so easy to get mad and have infighting and I, and I know even um I I've heard this last week in the football practice football practices that the team was getting in more fight or getting in their first fights since coach rules taken over the program and then we saw that performance on on Saturday and I don't I know that they're playing a sport that's very physical but I, I think that my message at this point would be, okay, we've spent a lot of time fighting. Now we need to see the fruits of that fight. And we've not seen that because we're determined to still fight because we seem to like fighting more than we like unification, um, except for in specific moments. But you look at what happened on Saturday, and, I mean, the crowd was – I mean, I, I wasn't even at the game, and the crowd was crazy. I was at the watch party, actually, in New York City, up here and the we had a you know probably like 20 people there 20 to 30 people uh, up here in New York and the entire place was taken over by Baylor fans by the time that that game was getting closer and closer and closer and that those moments everyone gets gets unified but then we take the time off and you go look at message boards or Twitter now and everyone's decided to be mad at each other again we're, we're nitpicking things and part of that's because it's fun to do that and that's going to be okay. There's always going to be those little things, but it's time to get get over the woe is me or the the board of regents was wrong and like all of this stuff that's just conti- like yes, you should call out things that are wrong and you, we should be mad about the right things and and be about being good stewards of the faith that Baylor presents. But we have to figure out a way to be unified as opposed to being mad, <laughs> and and I don't. You saw that happen with the football team this last week where they were fighting each other during practice, and then on Saturday they go out and give a performance, the best performance that I've seen from a Baylor team in a while. And that's kind of not that we can do that as a fan base. It's hard to give a good performance, but we can come together. Sorry I just got on a soapbox there, but you did just offer one to me. I I, kind of just (laughs) opened it up, didn't I? Um, Yeah. (laughs) So here's what I would say, and I I want your, your response. That's inc- yeah. it is encouraging to me that you were impressed by the crowd noise on TV because here's the reality that was in the stadium. Several, I'm talking maybe oh a quarter, 25% season ticket holders had given their tickets to Oklahoma fans that were taking their seats. Oh, that was visibly evident for sure. The total attendance was only 43,000. And, Ted, as usual, by the end of the game, most of the stadium was empty, even though it was a good game. A lot of people got up and left when we went down by three possessions. And then I really got frustrated, and maybe this is just me. You can tell me if I'm being overdramatic. I really got frustrated when when we fumbled the football, you know, there to essentially end the game. And everybody got up and left with a minute left instead of staying to be a part of what the guys that did stay was, I think, a cool ovation and a cheer for the effort that we saw. How crazy would it be if we actually had a stadium full of people that would that would stay for the whole game? 
you know that's kind of that's kind of my biggest frustration and i could go on for minutes and bore everybody but that that's that's no and that's that's definitely we basically have two similar takes but yours is more from a fan who's who's able to be there um very like super often um and and I, I will say this too. One of the interesting things about being far away is that it, it gets difficult when you want to be there. And and I am like I watch to the bitter end, and I watch I'll watch the game probably three or four more times before the end of the season, and I'll watch it all the way through each time. And and I'm not saying that makes me like a better person. And you're not. I know you're not saying that either. It just simply you, you've carved out this time already, and this team is out there and it's an entertainment thing and, and they are a part of you. That's what's so, what I love about college sports and what we all love about it is that it, there's, there's this connection to the university and this thing. And that's why I think it's time to unify around that and be gung ho, even when it's difficult, as Matt Rule has said a couple of times this season, because the future actually does look really good. And especially if you've seen, I'm sure you've seen some of the quotes from recruits and even ones that aren't committed yet, talking about how loyal like some the, the fan base is, and we're we're talking about it as if it's not all you know together. I'm just trying to picture what it could be like if it was unified, and 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 it was there till the very last second, and that stadium was green and gold, or black or gray or whatever appropriate clothing you have that's BU and not crimson or purple. That's a good thought. I think we're on the same page. Hey, when can we expect the next hype video, Ted? It's a great question. I um. Was considering one for this week, uh, but that's not going to happen. I have a busier work week, which does you know tend to take precedent, unfortunately. As it should. Um, but we do have a bye week, so depending on what I'm sure I know that, that we're recording this before rules, you know, press conference and stuff that he normally has on Mondays in the Big Twelve call. Uh, but we will definitely, uh, I'll definitely be digging through for something maybe for the bye week. I love it. Ted Harrison, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me on, Scotty. I just want to take this moment to thank Ted Harrison again for coming on the show. He was great. And I think he made some really good points about how Baylor fans need to unite around this team and around our support for our school. Ted, you rock. Thanks also to Michael Bartlemé for being my guest for the little banter segment of this podcast. We look forward to bringing him back for some more Bartle takes. Wanted to remind you really quickly that you can get 10% off your first order with Scooble Designs. Sean Scooble Designs, the logo that you see for this podcast, and he wants to do any of your graphic design work. He will make your dreams come to life at an affordable price. Contact Sean through Instagram at S-K-U-B-A-L Designs. Again, 10% off your first order if you mention the Please Bear With Me podcast. That's all the time I've got for this week. Thank you so much for coming on to the Please Bear With Me podcast. We'll be back and better than ever next time. I want to thank Travis Thompson for all of the music you heard on today's podcast. I want to thank Jeremy Wilson. As always, I am Scotty Swingler. Talk to you next time on the Please Bear With Me podcast.